0: Healthy lifestyle is brought to you by Septogard. Septogard, your family's all natural defence against infections.
1: Azania Musaka on 702.
2: Healthy lifestyle is brought to you by Septogard. Septogard, your family's all natural defence against infections because it is a Thursday Donnerdag, that's it, let me remember my days of the week quickly <laughs> and on this day, just after 2.30 we always talk about health and wellness and what kind of struck us as a team that we thought we'd put on the agenda are uh, eating habits and this led to questions about eating disorders the variety of eating disorders that uh, are out there so this afternoon we have Tabitha Hume she's a clinical dietitian joining us in studio, you Hello. braved the rain Tabitha yeah, I did,
0: <laughs> to be here today,
2: thank you very much. Thank you, and what gorgeous rain it is, I have to say. But yeah, nevertheless, yeah, yeah thanks so for inviting me to of this kind of, you know, view oh, and setting. Yeah. So let's start by really defining clinically mm. what eating disorders are.
3: Well, essentially, if you're going to sort of look at a, a concise um, sort of diagnosis, an eating disorder is any of a range of psychological disorders characterized by abnormal or disturbed eating habits. So there are various um, sort of strict eating disorder types and we can go through those. But also, as has been mentioned actually several times, is what about in between? You know, you often get uh, a lot of people saying, well, I have a little bit of that and I have a little bit of that and I'm doing a bit of that. And in Mm -hmm. actual fact, that's what I have a very strong interest in, which is disordered eating, which sort of encapsulates the eating disorders and also the ones that are less... Um, disorders, psychiatric issues, but more disordered eating as yes, well.
2: Yes, because previously, of course, the um, focus was on anorexia nervosa. Mm. Um, we have bulimia. Yes. Um, we have all sorts of other conditions, binge mm. eating. Mm. Uh, we became familiar with body dysmorphia and some of the Sweet. risks that are associated with that. Yes. Uh, so because when I thought about it, it's exactly that in between mm. that you're talking about, mm. that spectrum mm. of um Those thoughts that we have Mm -hmm. constantly or you know people that Mm -hmm. are constantly on a diet Mm -hmm. or there is some sort of, they have a Not peculiar as such, and it's not abnormal because I think it's increasingly becoming unfortunately normal, normal but not healthy. (laughs) Yes, an an unhealthy attitude and relationship with food,
3: Mm. and it really is exactly that. What we're finding, and especially with an enormous amount of conflicting um, comments, conflicting ideas in the media of all types regarding what is a healthy diet, the best way to slim, etc., should it be high carb, low carb, high fat, low fat, and so it goes on. And as dietitians, we are literally. Exhausted on the floor right now because the the conflict out there means that our jobs are four times more difficult, and as a result of that, uh, or not as well as a result of what's going on out there with all these unfortunately unqualified quacks pretending to be dietitians, pretending to know what they're talking about and spouting out all sorts of interesting information mm-hmm. there is so much misinformation and so much confusion that the average person who is already conflicted in, in whether they should be losing weight, whether how much they should be losing, uh, how should they do it is now completely confused yes. and in actual fact that feeling of overwhelmed feeling of being overwhelmed and that feeling of, of, of disempowerment leads to the beginning of all the thought processes that can lead to eating disorders. Mm. So we've got ourselves a very serious problem on our hands. I can't keep up, frankly.
2: I can't keep up. You sit with this group, they'll Mm. tell you just have uh, Mm. one portion of protein Mm. and uh, Mm. veg in the morning. Then you snack Mm. with an apple Mm. mid-morning
3: lunchtime, you have another, you know, it's like, it's just this. Mm. I can't keep up. Well, can I just quickly put an insert in there, actually? It's quite interesting that you say that because often people say, well, who should you believe? And I say, well, you know, if I was going to have a bed I'd go to an obstetrician, I would not go to my physiotherapist or my child's OT. I would go to an obstetrician. So when you're saying, well, who shall I believe? It's mm. actually, with all due respect, very simple. Go to a clinical registered dietitian, not a nutritionist or or somebody who has a, a bit of an interest in nutrition. Mm. It's a four to five year degree at med school. There's nothing simple about it. And we're the ones to, to, to be able to give credible scientific right. information.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, uh, the phone lines are open for your questions and comments. We're talking about eating disorders this afternoon. And uh, we've got Lady calling from Johannesburg.
1: Hi, Lady. Hello. Hi. Hi, lady. Hi. Um, I would like to give a comment. I'm an um, anonymous member of Overeaters Anonymous. Yes. In South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined 16 months ago. Um, mm-hmm. I've lost 49 kilos. Wow. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And um, before uh, I did go and see a registered dietitian, mm-hmm. Um, I've seen actually six dietitians in my lifetime because I have um, binging and purging um, Mm. disorder. Mm. And Mm. um, I did follow a dietitian for a year and I lost um, 28 uh, kilos.
3: Brilliant.
1: But unfortunately, because of my eating disorder, Mm. I was not able to keep it down because the The source of my problem was not the weight. Correct. It was your head. And yeah. Yes. Mm. So um, I'd like to uh, give the listeners uh, a hope to say that what I've found in Overeaters Anonymous really changed my life. I see. And Brilliant. Yeah, we've, we've got meetings all over the country. Um, mm. It is anonymous. Mm. And um, I've really found the solution to my problem. Well done. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm uh, very interesting. For the call.
3: Interesting there that, um, you know, that they, they follow the 12-step program, uh, same as addiction. In actual fact, I've worked a lot with addiction and there's very little difference in actual fact. Um, in a lot of the thought processes that go on between binge eating disorder or eating disorders it's an all or nothing sort of thing and mm. and the addiction process and the 12 step program works beautifully because it fills a gap of self doubt that is otherwise empty and is filled with food or filled with over control or filled with substance abuse yes. so it does it has has shown some really good results
2: wow well, so where do we locate mm the beginnings or the causes of eating
3: disorders? Is it a complex interaction of different things? Very the much so. As mm-hmm. any, I mean, I've, I've jotted down a few uh, sort of things, but really it's not even limited to this. Um, we've got society dictating perfection. Um, there is a real problem with that we've got a huge change in self-worth, uh, especially young women and men are not really sure about what is acceptable, whether they are enough, whether they're good enough. Mm. And that's largely to do with an or the ability to believe the media over themselves, which I think is really sad. Um, people are looking for, or young people are looking for control when they're feeling out of control. And as I say, this controversy regarding diet and what one should do and which is the best thing to, to, to do to lose weight is causing a feeling of overwhelm and um, uh, conflicting emotions as in well advocacy, as like you can't get it together to yeah. get it right and to get that look yeah uh, but also how the hang do I do it I'm, I'm told by one person do this and another mm-hmm, person do that mm-hmm. and so they're feeling very overwhelmed and out of control okay. and with that they tend to take on all the diet information all at once so I'm not going to have fats and I'm not going to have carbs and in fact I'm not going to have proteins I might just become vegan and I might just Ugh. and you end up with something called orthorexia which is kind of extreme cutting up out of a lot of foods and that is also like a kind of eating disorder that can lead to one of the other eating disorders mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a fear of not being good enough um, so the eating disorder always wants to be one step better than what is deemed to be acceptable so if it's deemed to be acceptable to be a size 32 I want to be a size 28 just oh. to have that sort of <laughs> the gap of, of, of in case you know there's another thing that is very interesting as well as no trust for the future or for the person's individual ability to cope in life and make correct decisions. I find this a lot in the patients that I treat, especially the, the younger girls, um, saying, I'm just, I say, are you fearful of the future? Yes, I have no idea. I don't feel like I've got the tools. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'd much prefer to believe what other people say rather than to start listening to what's right for me. Yes. And, um, you know, even so far as should I be going out with that boy? Should I do this? Should I do that? Do you think it's okay? Do you think it's acceptable? And, I, and you say, what do you think? And they look at you as if you're mad saying, I don't no yes. and that's just it and I think it's that lack of trust in the future and lack of trust in their own ability to be able to make the right decisions and if they don't make the right decisions to actually be able to pick themselves up afterwards mm. so it's quite a psychological thing as well mm. but it's if also only, if,
2: if only like back in the day when mm. we could associate it or blame it on something that happened in childhood mm. it was that moment it was then it
3: was <laughs> <that> <laughs> moment. and because of that everything's yes. gone <laughs> <laughs> gone gone pear-shaped it's so complicated mm, it mm. is but also there's the overprotection of parents. This has been quite a blame as well. Um, not necessarily... Uh, because they're bad parents. But I think we all want to protect our children. As a mother, I speak from experience. Um, We want to wrap them up in cotton wool. And this life that we have at the moment, the society that we're in, is pretty hardcore. It's difficult. And so we want to, as parents, protect our children from being hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's actually doing them a huge disservice because it's showing them that in actual fact, as parents, we don't believe that they can cope. So we need to do it all for them. We need to tell them what to do. You know, so that's also undermining um,
2: their own abilities, their own yes, abilities. To, to to manage all of these yeah. things. But there was a recent report around mm. how how mothers view their own bodies yes. affects their yeah. daughters and yes. how they view their bodies. Yes, very, very much so. That relationship. is
3: a huge relationship. Um, in fact, mothers who are consistently talking about their weight not being good enough or, oh, no, I mustn't eat that because I'm going to get um, fat rather than, no, I don't feel like that. Thank you. Um, but, oh, I can't get fat. Oh, look at this. Does this make me look fat? This over obsession with what they look like makes the child look at that and say, oh, gosh, For mum, it's number one important. So it must be for me. Otherwise, she's going to look at me and say, you know, you're worth nothing because you don't think that your appearance is that important. Mm. Whereas for a young girl, her appearance should be a little bit important, but not that important. It should be whether you're going to win it at hockey or whether you're going to get a B for maths or something, you know, who you're going to have around to play. So to a large extent, there's a lot of um parental influence going on there. But in the same light, a lot of people are so very, very worried about that and having their children have eating disorders that they actually they they overprotect again their children um, by by not allowing them to do certain things. They lock the pantry cupboard. They only put a certain amount of food on their plate and say, no, 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 you may not have any more, yeah. and so on and so forth. And the the problem with that is it's teaching a child that they must not listen to their inner hunger, And I think this is the crux of the matter. We need to reteach people to listen to their hunger. Their hunger is going to be a very accurate um, gauge gauge of what they need. But the parent's um, role in that is to actually put in front of that child what is healthy and what is not fattening and what is going to be good for them. Mm -hmm. That is not going to be fattening. So... If you are saying the child must only have X amount and it must be sugar-free and it must be salt-free and it must be, you know, all these restrictions, the child's going to learn to be a withholder and think that that is good, in inverted commas, and then break out and be bad, in inverted commas, and binge eat. And this can be the kind of vacillation between black and white or the two extremes, which is really a polarized thinking that is also a foundation of a lot of eating disorders. Oh, incredible. Mm. Incredible.
2: Here yeah, I thought we were going to still be referring to anorexia. No. <laughs> talking about bulimia and so on yeah. because those are really serious conditions. Yes. But clearly our relationship with food, mm-hmm. our relationship with our identities, how we mm. present the weight that we carry mm. runs far deeper than Very. than than what we what we see. Mm. So give us your calls on 011 883 0702 and 31702 for your SMSs.
1: Zania Musaka, lines are always open on One
2: This afternoon we're talking about eating disorders and also disordered eating. Yes, we've yeah. just added that on because yeah. it seems to be so prevalent as well. Many of us walking around thinking that we've got a good and healthy relationship with food. Meanwhile, mm. we might be doing a lot of harm. Mm. And my guest is clinical dietitian Tabitha Hume, and we're taking your calls um on O one one eight eight three O seven O two.
1: Yeah. Hi, CD. Hi, Vanya and your guest. uh, Thank you for a great show. Just wanted to inquire. um, I don't particularly, um, you know, really go out of my way to eat. If the food is there, I'll eat it, but I can go the whole day without eating. Could this potentially be a, a type of eating disorder? How do you... You know, how do you determine you have a de- eating disorder, whether it's on the excessive side or the non-excessive side?
3: Good question, Celia. I think the answer to that is 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 quite complicated. But in a nutshell, I'd say if it's causing problems. So if there are any health problems or psychological problems as a result of your eating habits, then we've got ourselves an issue. And I would I would guess there eventually would be mm. uh, concentration issues, possibly even a little bit of um, mood mood disorders. Yes, headache, lethargy, lack of motivation, um, poor concentration, etc. Do do you not find those those problems rising? Not, not
1: necessarily. I just think, you know, I will eat when I get the time to eat, but I don't, I really, even if I didn't drink a you know, a glass of water, I'm okay. Mm. But I just kind of feel that we over focus on food. Like you've got to eat three times a day. And for me, I'm like, you know, if the food is there, I'll eat. If it's not, well, I can go with that. And, and, and possibly, yes, I'll, I'll I'll begin to have uh, those those symptoms that you're referring to but mm. I'll then eat something but I could literally go the whole day okay. with just one meal.
2: And your hunger voice inside of you is quiet. She's just dead quiet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, but
3: it, it really <laughs> doesn't
1: bother
3: me, and I'm like, okay, you see, well, of but it's, awesome. well, it's a non-issue for me. You see, okay, at the moment it's a non-issue, which is which is fine. Um, and you're coping without it. Not many people can do that, and in actual fact, it's almost in a way that you're substituting your natural uh, ears for your body's signals with uh, something that's more important, perhaps work or perhaps busyness or whatever it might be, which in itself is not so good. You mm. know, it's kind of not really listening to your body. So if after three to four hours you're feeling a bit peckish and you just kind of forget about it, I don't think that's being true to yourself and it can lead to problems. Your body's got got messages and that inner voice <laughs> that, yes. that, that is actually there for a reason. And the, let's look at the
2: consequences of what happens in the body when she's not mm. taking in the mm. requisite nutrition.
3: Because if she is keeping at that pace, they are the body needs that fuel, mm. whatever it may be. In actual fact, the the, the brain can only use glucose, which is quite interesting. It can't use any other nutrient. So we need to keep our blood sugar levels or glucose levels nice and stable and top them up all the time. As soon as we have a low sugar level, because we're we hungry and we haven't eaten anything, especially carbohydrates that yield glucose, what actually happens is the serotonin production in our brain decreases. So we do naturally become what I call hangry. We're <laughs> angry and hungry, hungry and angry, yes. So, And we get a bit aggressive because adrenaline goes up in our bloodstreams, ready for us to fight or flight and to go and sort of seek out food and if we ignore that even further what happens to survival is that our bodies start auto cannibalizing fat which sounds like a good thing and protein from our muscles Mm -hmm. exactly and those get passed through your liver in a process called gluconeogenesis to provide glucose to keep us alive so it's really going through its sort of survival mechanism to keep us going Mm -hmm. and although you might be losing a bit of fat you're losing a lot of muscle Mm -hmm. and a side effect of that is bones and the bones also you know you you get a huge release of ammonia which is a byproduct of the um the utilization of protein and that actually helps to leach the bones of calcium etc um, it makes you moody. It 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 causes you to start obsessing about food and craving food because of that low serotonin level in the brain. And so we, instead of saying, "Oh yes, I'd love one chocolate," we end up consuming two bars, you know, and say, "Oh, I don't know what happened. It was almost like I was out of control. I couldn't stop myself." Oh yes, you could, <laughs> because actually, it was because of what you did before. You ignored your yes. hunger and didn't give yourself something nice. It's good to vessels. Um, the vessels
2: are in Pretoria. Hello.
0: Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, with regards to, um, uh, I was listening to the lady that, that spoke about the uh, binge eating. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I uh, have mm-hmm. a very similar um, effect as the, the, the lady that was on just before me, mm-hmm. uh, where I can eat sometimes and other times I can't. But then the the, the time, it, I us. I don't know if it's because I'm not hungry that I eat excessively. It's like I'm going after the list of eating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But a couple of years ago, um, and I'm talking now quite a few, um, the effects of hydration and dehydration in a person's body. Mm. Now, a lot of people, as far as I understand, would take the, your dehydration as a a sign of hunger. And what I've, what I started doing years ago, and it kind of helps, is drinking a glass of water to see if it's my body telling okay. me I'm hungry, I need to eat something mm-hmm. or if uh, my hydrated. body needs fluids. Okay. Well yes and, and no oh, okay. I've kept a, I've kept an average weight. Okay. Um it's I like I'm I'm actually obese in the in the sense but I'm normally sized because of um sports and that but a glass okay. of water before I eat anything would determine if if my body's telling me I'm thirsty or if I'm actually hungry for
2: Food. okay well Tabitha quick response for you. interesting
3: you say that normally I say uh if you are underhydrated not dehydrated if you're underhydrated you might uh your energy levels are low so you automatically crave uh, a lot of carbs so it can do that unfortunately once that feeling has, has 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 got there and you feel like you're craving carbs just having a glass of water it's too late it's not really going to make a difference so yes I would encourage um, a regular drinking of fluids not four liters a day but about a one and a half liters a day just to stave off the those kind of cravings definitely but you can't possibly replace a normal meal with a glass of water so mm. we certainly need to still look at not trying to saying say i am going to cut out a meal cut out carbs okay. and i'll have a glass of water that's wrong
2: so where do our listeners turn to if they want to get in touch with you
3: okay um well i've got a website which is www.tabithahume.com okay. and all the info is there otherwise i'm at the sports injury clinic in four ways which is 011 It's been lovely chatting to you. Thanks very Very much. I really enjoyed
0: that. Thank you. And you. you.
1: Mayday, mayday. A war's been waged against us. The immune system's a threat. We're getting too weak to fight the infection.
0: Do not surrender. Do not drop your armour. The infection's spreading, sir. Fear not, soldiers. There's a brave hero knocking at our door and he will bring reinforcement. Captain, look. What is that coming up north? Is it an army? No, it's Septoguard. Now, let us go Triumphant! When your body's under attack from infections, leave the fighting to Septoguard, the all-natural defense against infections and flu for the whole family.